DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Dan Devine, staff writer for The Ringer. He covers the NBA. Here come the playoffs. Dan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. There is, as you can imagine, a lot of excitement here. There's a little bit of stress and a little bit of worry over Donovan <laughs> Mitchell's health. Also, everybody's trying to figure out, well, when we get to Friday night, who's the eights going to be? Who are the Jazz actually going to end up playing? And are they going to get to the Western Conference Finals and beyond? I guess the first question for you is, to what degree do you believe in the Jazz in the West? Or you got them as like the fourth best team and, you know, good luck to them? Well, I think the, the hardest thing to, to sort of parse out with that is just who, what versions of these teams are we going to actually be seeing? You know, like if, if you lined everybody up uh, in 2K and turned fatigue and injuries off, I think, yeah, you might say the Jazz are, I don't know, the third-best team in the West or something like that. You know, you would probably say a full-strength and healthy war uh, Lakers uh, right up at the top, and then everybody else kind of slots in. It might depend on sort of taste uh, beyond that. But what we have seen for the last four months, this has been the best team in the league, and it's been the best team in the league, you know, the most complete and balanced team on, on both sides of the ball. And they, there's, they have done nothing to be you know to to be bumped off of that pedestal they they have earned that position the question is and it's the burden of proof that every team has to have things things have not happened until they actually happen it was the warriors had to do it the Cavs had to break through and do it you you have to see it even like you know lebron and his initial run in miami you have to actually do it before everybody will give you the flowers there's no reason to believe that the Jazz can't be the best team in the Western Conference and cannot go through this bracket and make it to the Western Conference Finals, have a chance to play for, the, for a Finals berth. It's just we have to see it happen because we've, in the, over the last handful of years, there's just always been sort of a final boss or a stylistic problem, something that they haven't been able to solve. I think they've done just about everything they can do shy of landing a LeBron or Kawhi or that kind of big wing playmaker, the, you know, queen on the chessboard type. They've done everything they can do but that. And now we find out if that's enough. I mean, I, I, it's funny to hear you say, like, there's great, there's great excitement, there's great stress, and there's great anxiety, and there's a whole lot of we don't know. I mean, if, what else sums up this NBA season any better than that? Like, there, there's so many things to be excited about, to be you know, to, to have enjoyed watching, but there's also still, even all, all this time later, so much unknown because you're still seeing teams just kind of get back together and welcome back, you know, uh, pieces that have been injured or guys that have been out of the rotation moving back in and developing rhythm, trying to find some time. And then the great unknown, of course, I mean, it's one of the big bummers of the play-in as it stands, is that you can go all season, be the number one seed in the East, and not, and you, or even in the Western Conference, and not be uh, aware of who you're playing until the very end of the, of the line here. So um, I believe that the Jazz have done what they can do to put themselves in position to be a championship-caliber team. Now it's, you know, how the dice roll and how they tumble, and we're going to find out. So, Dan, reading your stuff at The Ringer, you list uh, your top five MVP candidates, and obviously Uh-oh. you have uh, Jokic there. Uh, you, you, but you give great uh, 
do to Gobert. You talk about Rudy, you talk about how all the positives, and you do have him as defensive player of the year, which I think means if you come to Salt Lake, you won't get run out of town. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, one of the uh, – listen, that is talking about blessings and curses. It's really it's, – it's wonderful that the league has, you know, seen fit to give me a ballot, like a, you know, a real honest-to-goodness ballot. It's wonderful to – it's a great responsibility. It's a, you know, a wonderful acknowledgement. It's also a heck of a lot of stress because you want to try to be as thoughtful as you can and try to, to, to not just – you know, this, this, these things matter for guys' legacies. They matter for guys' paychecks. They matter for a whole lot of different reasons. So you want to try to be as responsible as you can as a steward of it. Um, and for, yeah, for me, it's the, the only thing that, that, that's preventing Gobert from being a top five uh, vote getter in that situation for me is just I think that we've reached a point in the development of the NBA where, there, yes, there are two sides to the ball, and yes, defense is incredibly important. It's just not as important as offense is at this point right now. Maybe some rules changes shift the, the way that things work. Maybe the geometry of the court changes. There's a whole, a whole lot of ways the, the game can be tweaked. But right now, Rudy Gobert is about as uh, like, basically the pinnacle of the kind of player he is as a screener, as a diver, as a sort of uh, the, the, the gravity that he has rolling to the basket, all those sorts of things. He's just not a creator on offense. And I think that that is the kind of player in this, in this version of the league that is most valuable. And so I think that's where you wind up with uh, you know, Jokic and Joel Embiid as a, a creator of offense and Stephen Curry and players like that that sort of elevate above that for me. But that is all to say you get five spots and there are dozens of incredible players in this league, and Gobert is certainly high, high, high up on that list. So as you pointed out, though, the Jazz do not have the wing player who is the queen on the chessboard. Now, defensively, I think Quinn Snyder feels like Rudy is that guy. Offensively, if they don't have that guy, right, because they don't have a LeBron and they don't have a Kawhi, but they might have the sixth man of the year, they might have the sixth and seventh man of the year, how much does Joe Ingles, as a bigger guy running the pick and roll, and Clarkson as just an unrepentant shooter. I mean, this guy, yeah, I missed five in a row, so what? I'll make the next ten in a row. You will be, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cold now, but you will be in awe of me in ten minutes. I mean, he just lets that last play go unlike anything we've seen. Can those guys offset, or it doesn't work that way, a group of guys can't overcome the power of the one in the big moment in the playoffs? Well, I think it can. You know, we, we have seen examples in the past of teams that didn't have you know, the, the one dominant offensive uh, performer in the series be able to kind of make it up in aggregate with enough guys who can all make a play. Uh, you know, now the, you know, the Raptors might not be the best example because Kawhi was there, but that was a team that did not win those finals against the Warriors, did not win uh, in the stretch of all those games just because Kawhi was elite. It was because everybody on the floor for them was able to make a pass, dribble, shoot decision and able to make something happen, able, able to get to their own shot. Even someone like you know, Serge Ibaka as a pick-and-pop threat or Marc Gasol being able to extend the play. Uh, you know, the, the, sometimes teams wind up being sort of more than the sum of their parts. And when you get really great parts, then you, gotta, you can have something special. And I think that's what we're seeing with Utah, where stylistically – Kind of whatever lineups are you, uh, the Quinn Snyder is able to put on the floor, there's always going to be 
three, four, maybe even you know, three or four at minimum players who can make that kind of next read, keep the, keep the ball moving, keep the chain moving, and then create something out of it. I think what we saw last year, the version that wound up, went out in the first round in the bubble, uh, was, you know, they obviously it was a, a difficult first season in Utah for Mike Conley, although he was playing a lot better at the end of the season. Um, he's been sensational all season long. You know, you're seeing uh, great versions of Gobert as a, as a sort of space creator, but also with Ingles being able to, to orchestrate, whether he's in the second unit or in the starting lineup, Clarkson just kind of gets to play his own offense when he comes in, but it's certainly effective. Um, you said the fact that you have uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and not only that you have him, but he seems to have really been ramping up coming into the postseason is a huge addition for them. It's basically, can you have if you have those positional uh, uh, that stability and those advantages on a possession by possession basis at across the board can you add up enough of those to kind of make up for what you might be lacking in like one matchup where you, the other team has like the best guy by a significant margin and so that's i mean again with with the without the ability to have created one of those guys this is about as good as you can do i think i think the jazz have done a sensational job of building out the roster of trying to make it as multifaceted and varied in the way it can attack and play as possible uh, you know, there are always going to be people who, who will look at Gobert and say, well, that guy is, a, is just going to be of limited uh, utility at a certain point in a postseason series because there's going to be a possession where you're staring down Steph Curry 35 feet away from the basket on a switch and you're just in deep water and you've got to make the best out of it. I think that Gobert has gotten significantly better at doing that over the course of his career. I think he's about as good at that now as a player like him is going to get to be with, with his size and some of the limitations that will come along with that. And I think that, you know, the, all you can do is put your team in the best position you can to have a chance in, against no matter who you're playing. And I think this version of the Jazz has done that. Whether it is going to be enough to win four series in a brutal Western Conference, that remains to be seen. But I think they've done just about everything they've can to put themselves there. So we are going to run you out of town for not having Clarkson as the sixth man, but we'll bring you back because you chose Joe Ingles. <laughs> <laughs> I try to make sure that if, uh, you know, it's like I give with, take away with one hand, but I give with the other. There you go. You know, Thank you, you. You, you. You want to be fair, fair and even in all things. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was just, if we had made, this to, made those votes uh, halfway through the season, you know, it would have been Clarkson in a walk. It's just his, his, he had sort of hit that cold snap. He had, his shooting efficiency had dropped off. And if, you, if what you are bringing to the table is scoring in volume and in bulk, you've got to be able to do it at a high enough clip where you're coming away with a lot of empty possessions, too. And I think uh, in those towards the latter, the latter couple of months of the season, Clarkson dipped a little bit, although, sir, again, ended the season on a strong run. And this, the, the way I think about the Jazz, what I think about them as a, as, a, as a team, the way they've operated when they are at their best, you kind of close your eyes, you think about what Joe Ingles does, right? It's, it's not always overwhelming, like, physical one-on-one dominance, but it's we're going to be clever. We're going to keep the ball moving. We're going to get to a, go from good to great. There's a lot of that San Antonio DNA in what they do, and so there's a, a, a similarity stylistically, maybe uh, you know, in a different bit of a uh, different kind of package, but to the way that Manu Ginobili would kind of be able to keep the offense running, coming in off the bench, right down to him being lefty, right, but um, or slot in as a starter when when you needed a little bit more juice in the starting lineup, and then everything kind of kept clicking into place. That's the kind of effect that I think Joe Ingles has on, on the second unit for Utah, and that's why, to me, at the final analysis, he kind of bumped up ahead. But certainly 
having two guys that are that kind of that are that caliber of players and that operate in different ways that can come in and provide changes of pace off the bench is a, a real uh, a real boon to have this time of year. And it's also uh, a credit to the way that again the Dennis Lindsay and company built that roster where. You know, it's these were not. You know, Joe Ingles was uh, was playing in Barcelona. Anybody could have signed Joe Ingles and brought him in. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson was you know way wasting away in Cleveland. Anybody could have had him. And to see the vision for what those guys could be you know, in a, a slightly different structure, surrounded by pretty much uh, by significant talent. Um, you know, you can't say enough about the job that the Jazz front office has done to construct this team. And yet, there's this nagging feeling among Jazz fans that LeBron is getting healthy at exactly the wrong time and that the Lakers are going to be the first seven seed to win an NBA title, and that this is really the 95 Rockets, and there's plenty of fans. Remember the Jazz having a 2-1 lead and losing that best-of-five series and watching the Rockets go back-to-back. Are we going to be living that nightmare again in Salt Lake City? Well, listen, I I can't... I can't fault fans for having that feeling. I can't, uh, you know, the, the A, again, you know, the, the, the demons only get exercised by actually exercising them, right? <laughs> Otherwise, they're just there. Um, you know, and sometimes you got to, you know, it takes some, you know, checking under the bed and in the closet to make sure the boogeyman's not in there. And sometimes you got to go in there with the bat and you got to take care of the boogeyman. And I think <laughs> that's kind of where we are with the Jazz right now. Like, the only arguments for why it's not going to work are that it hasn't worked before and that, previous versions of the kinds of teams they're going to face have been problematic for the Jazz. They've had trouble with Steph Curry teams in the past, although obviously everyone's had problems with Steph Curry teams in the past. They've had problems with with, uh, the Lakers before. Newsflash, everybody has problems with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's why you go get guys like that. Um, but what you have in, in Utah now, obviously you mentioned at the very top of this, the $64,000 question is just uh, what are you going to get when Donovan Mitchell gets back on the floor because he is – He's your answer to those questions of, like, when it gets down to the end of the game, who's going to create a bucket for us, who's going to go get something for us. It's Donovan Mitchell. And I think what you're hoping for is that you sort of are able to meld the best versions of what we've seen from this Jazz team over the past two years. The version of Donovan Mitchell that was an absolute flamethrower in the first round against Denver last season that was dominant for much of that series – and you're able to meld that with you. Now you get a healthy Bogdanovich. You get Gobert playing at the, uh, the higher level than he's ever played before. You get Clarkson and Ingles both at that kind of award caliber level. You get Conley as comfortable and as in rhythm as he's been since he got to Salt Lake City. You put all of that together, and that is what elevates you because it's not just one guy that's, that everything hangs on. It's that every it's like the rising tide lifts all boats. And so... Uh, I mean, if, you, if you're asking me, if, we'll see. Well, yeah, a lot will depend on what you know what comes out of this next few days. When you know, we'll see how healthy LeBron looks. We'll see how healthy Anthony Davis looks. We'll see how comfortable they seem. How you know how together and how cohesive that Lakers roster looks. Because again, it's not you know. While the, the the big answer to that question is always, if you have a healthy LeBron and AD, you got a good chance against anybody in a seven game series. There's also a lot of pieces that haven't quite fit together for that Lakers team. It's not the same team that was in the bubble. And some important guys have, have been out for them. They haven't had a whole lot of time with Drummond. Marc Gasol's been in and out of the rotation all season. They haven't really coalesced around lineups that. You know, you feel confident about they were to return AD and LeBron with Kuzma and KCP and some of the guys that were part of that run. But there's still some questions to answer and some things to figure out. So 
I wouldn't necessarily say that that uh, it's you know you have to be terrified of the the monster under the bed there. I think, but I think it's you know what what Pop would always say is like appropriate fear, right? You know, and you have a lot of respect for what the what the Lakers are. But I think a lot of people around the league have a lot of respect for what the Jazz are too. So when I look at this, you know, I can make an argument probably that this is assuming that the seven seed, the Lakers win, beat the Warriors, and the Warriors beat whoever they play, and they get the eighth seed, that the seven and eight seeds might be the best seven and eight seeds ever when, when you look at that with, with literally Hall of Fame players on their rosters. So assuming that it holds the way we think that the Jazz would play the Warriors what degree of healthy Mitchell do you think the Jazz need just to get out of the first round? That's a great question. I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to put numbers on it because, you know, what, what you're seeing from the Warriors now is a, they, you know, a lot of things kind of shifted for them when James Wiseman, their number two overall pick, was out, went out for the season. And, you know, no fault of his. He's a, you know, a really talented young prospect, but that moving away from him kind of clarified for the Warriors what they are, and that that is a team that is built around Stephen Draymond. You put you know a kind of a solid center in Kevon Looney in there, who's been through the wars with the, with those guys, and knows how to play, and they've tightened their rotation a bit. They're just sort of they look more like a Golden State team, and obviously that is a team that can that spreads you out, that looks to push pace and play in chaos, and that's something that. Uh, for a team that's like a, sort of as regimented and systemic as Utah can can be a problem. So all that to say, I think you. you I mean, the the offensive numbers for Steph have been off the charts, and for the Warriors when they've had Steph and Draymond on the floor have been sensational. So you're going to need to be able to score with them. And I think you know the if you have uh, you know fully operational Draymond Green along the back line, and you've got a defense that's tightened up with some of the wings they've been able to put on the floor in Golden State. You need someone who can be the locksmith in the half court, and who can, who can you know uh, you know move through some of those tight coverages, find spaces, draw and kick. And I think that's Mitchell. It's it's it's, it's got to be Donovan for there. So I don't know that it's necessarily they need to have him at 110 percent to get out of the first round, but. I think the the challenge is that the the version of the Warriors as they exist now is dramatically different from the one we saw for the first forty or so games. So the chat in order to solve some of the problems they can create, you need yeah your best players on the court. You need your best players operating at a high level. I have no doubt that if Donovan's able to get through this sort of week long, you know the the, the extended period of time that he's got to, to to come back, get back on the court, and and be a, you know be his 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 customary self, his all star self. Um, I have no doubt that he's going to perform at a high level, uh, no matter who they throw at him defensively. But I think that's an, he's, an, he's obviously and arguably an important piece to be able to unlock the kind of defenses that you're going to see round after round in the playoffs. You know, the Warriors went 15-5 and five down the stretch, so taking Wiseman out obviously got them rolling. There's probably multiple reasons for that. Uh, I'm curious what you think. We had Tim Roy, the radio broadcaster for the Warriors, on, and he has been there for a long time. Right. And he said that this Jazz team reminds him of the Warriors. Uh, when they broke through and won their first title and they didn't have a lot of playoff experience, they'd won one series, only been in the playoffs twice. Uh, and then um, a guy who does uh, TV here um, knows uh, – who did he talk to, PK, at the Warriors? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Mike Smith used to play for Celtics. Yeah, longtime Clipper broadcaster. And Steve Kerr said the same thing, that this Jazz team reminds him of that first Warrior team. Are the Warriors saying nice stuff, buttering the Jazz up, or is there a lot of truth there? 
maybe a little of column A, a little of column B. It could be both. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of that going around. LeBron was just going over there telling everybody that Steph's the MVP before the playing game. So maybe there's a little bit of, you know, killing with kindness in the early going of the, uh, the postseason here. But, um, no, I think there's something to that. You know, and we've seen... I think that there's the nature of this season and how jumbled up everything's been and how many top players have missed time with injuries and how many teams have had to sort of scramble and shuffle their rotations and everything. It's left kind of a void in terms of what we're typically familiar with at the top of the standings or in some of these bigger conversations. And those voids often get filled by teams that have you know, uh, an identity and cohesion and depth and sort of emerging young talent. And I think that it's fair to say that that's, you know, you, uh, Utah checks a lot of those boxes. Um, and there's, it's, it's not just we are, you know, we hang our hat on one end of the floor and then the other end we just sort of hope for the best. The Jazz paired an already elite defense with a, a changed and, uh, and augmented offensive approach that's, you know, spreading the floor out and firing away and or everybody is kind of uh, empowered to approach to play that way. Basically, everybody who's not a center is playing that way, and it 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 free it opens up the floor, it opens up the pace. It sort of it, there's a joyfulness to the style and to the uh, you know many hands make light work. Everybody's involved. That is, I think, very stylistically similar to what Kirk tried to kind of instill and what Steph has been as sort of like a, a beacon for in Golden State over the years. Um, the question is, is and obviously, of course, those Golden State teams never quite got enough credit for how good they were defensively, and Draymond's a big part of that. But very much, you know, similarly with Utah, like that, all all of the joy and all of the three point shooting has to be underpinned by something solid, and that is the defense that Rudy Gobert captains and that the, the you know Quinn Snyder has sort of built. So. I think that they, they go about it in, in a little bit of a different way. There is not the one, like Donovan Mitchell is special, but Donovan Mitchell is not, uh, has, is not to this point in his career what Steph Curry even was at that point. You know, that was as he's ascending into MVP status. Donovan Mitchell's a little bit below that kind of tier at this stage in his development. But um, they do it a little bit differently. But I think that the, the results are, are awful similar. And I think it, it, if nothing else, provides a really interesting test and sort of measuring stick for where – Utah is. I mean, I think the only thing stopping them from being in that top tier of teams is beating that top tier of teams. I know it's a very simple thing to say, it's very obvious, but it's the truth. Every check, every box you can check for how you put together a team, what kind of success you have during the regular season, how well you do offensively, how well you do defensively, how you fare against other top opponents, all of it. The Jazz have checked all those boxes. Now it's just time to do it when the bright lights are on and when the popcorn's popping, and now we'll find out. Dan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Jazz fans will check you out at the Ringer to see why you think uh, Ingles over Clarkson and uh, why Rudy's just the Defensive Player of the Year and not the MVP. <laughs> I know. What, what, what slander to be just, just the Defensive just, Player right? of the Year and not the MVP. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, I know that it is a, an exciting and stressful time. Deep breaths, everybody. <laughs> we'll get through this together. Dan Devine, <laughs> staff writer for The Ringer. He covers the NBA. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.